Hi and hello, watch fans, and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighborhood watchmaker, Rob Nuds. Today, I'm joined by our friendly neighborhood jeweler, all the way from Amsterdam, Alon Ben-Joseph, and the CEO of Oris, Mr. Ralph Studer. How are you? I'm very good. It's good to be here. It's very good to have you. You're one of the uh, one of the more popular and talked about CEOs within our network, not to inflate your ego before we get going, but it is worth mentioning because Oris is a brand that very, very much has its finger on the pulse of its community. And that's something really obvious when you look around the industry that you are streets ahead in many ways of having cultivated your community. So instead of diving into your personal history first, which is where we normally start, we'll get to that. But I would like to know exactly what is it that you do to cultivate such a healthy community and why is it so important to the brand? We listen and we are out there and we talk to people and we, li- we like to hang out with our, our community and spend time with them. And this way you're just close, right? And you build um, these relationships and uh, you understand what people like. And when you talk, you get ideas from here, from there, and then you try to uh, bring them together and uh, make an exciting product. And uh, that's where it all comes from. Welcome on the show, Rolf. It's very good to see you because the last time we saw each other was actually in Geneva this summer at the Duke, way past midnight, having a beer. <laughs> see, that's what I mean. And, and and you live the slogan, Oris's slogan, which is go your own way. Now, for me, you are Mr. Oris, although there is another co-CEO. It's a family-owned business. You are technically not family by blood, but you are definitely Mr. Oris. Because if I count the years correctly, I know you already for 17 years, and you've always been with Oris in the watchmaking industry. Is that correct? So going your own way, please walk us through the years through Oris, and maybe you can link that up to the evolution of the brand Oris, because you guys made a beautiful... Uh, history and you've already been in in existence since 1904. Yes. Uh, Well, I grew up in central Switzerland. Um, That's where I went to school. Then my first job was with Coca-Cola, actually. And then I came to Oris. I've been here now for 17 years and honestly have not had a boring day since. And I truly enjoy working for this company. And, you know, working as a Swiss, working for a company that embodies Swiss values and working with these values and then bringing that out to the world and going places and stand in for uh, what you believe and what you want to express with that brand you work for. That truly is a privilege, a privilege I very much enjoy and at Oris a lot of things come together it's an independent company so we really can do what we think is right for the brand the size of the company is in a way that everyone does make a difference and then the values of our company they are such that really people here um, believe in them and go the extra mile uh, for that brand and yeah, it's really, it has been quite a right. I think we really have um, developed very nicely over the last few years. And every day I come here to Hillstein, I, I enjoy and I, I, I am aware of the privilege I'm having to be able to manage that brand that is Oris. So Alon mentioned that there was a co-CEO, but I know that there's actually a third party behind the scenes pulling the strings the puppet master of Oris. It's the Oris bear, okay? Now, me and the Oris bear, we have some long-standing beef. There's a feud between us because I feel like he's my number one rival in the watch industry because we're both quite short and both quite hairy. He's probably of a more even-handed temper than me, but I want to know, where did the bear come from? What does the bear stand for? And is he secretly the boss? Yeah, he... um talks much less than you do that's why everyone likes him you know harsh very very harsh it's very harsh Rob. Rob, we can kick off rob from the show if you want there's no problem <laughs> we just kick him out i mean who doesn't like the bear i don't like the bear i don't trust the bear 
I don't trust him. Something went wrong in your childhood. <laughs> Ever since the bear, I wear now two caps. One by Oris, the beautiful taupe fitted baseball cap. So thank you, Rolf. Guys hooked me up. And I have the limited edition New York Yankees, new era baseball cap with the bear, Rob. So next time I see you, just for you, I'll put that cap. Mm. Oh, that's difficult for me because I am a cap collector and that sounds perfect. Watchmaking and caps together, but the bear's my rival. What can I say? I, I'm scared of him. I guess that's what it is. I just, I feel like he has, uh, he has a lot of power. I want to know more about him. I understand you, Rob. I, I do understand you. And yes, the Oris bear, he really is a symbol, right? He, he stands for Oris. He's there smiling, just being himself. And the reason why Oris Bear is with Oris is because this industry is to a large part about emotions, right? And um, about brands transporting their emotion. And often they do that with actors, with famous people, with people who are paid to play roles. And now they are also paid... Um, uh, to play that they like watches, you know, and at the end, it's just about having a canvas for your emotion. And our canvas is the Oris bear. Everyone had a teddy bear when uh, he or she was young, and we all used that stuffy animal um, to play and to show our emotions and uh, to show fear, as you just mentioned, Rob, or to show. Um, joy and that's what the Oris bear stands for he is our canvas um, of emotion we don't need we don't need uh, people that um, play to like us we have Oris bear going from one childhood hero the bear to another childhood Kermit how was this year for you guys with the launch of the very fun Kermit collab. Yes, we launched Kermit in Geneva at uh, uh, the show this spring, and yeah, it was a big success. It was the best sold um, SKU of Oris in our history, so we are very happy about that, even though we uh, were um, uh, in difficulty to um, uh, deliver the watches uh, for a long time this summer because we just didn't have enough. And we are really excited how well this collaboration was received. I think it's because people felt that this is not a merchandise project, but it is a shared philosophy. Oris stands for making people smile. And Kermit actually does the same. We are in the same industry. We are in the entertainment industry, right? We want to entertain people, give them a good time. And uh, yeah, a little bit like the Oris Bear, you, you really cannot not like um, Kermit. I don't know about you, Rob. I do like Kermit, yeah. I don't see him as much of a threat. He's he's pretty hairless, you know, and... Uh... Now him and Miss Piggy are split up. You know he's cleared the way for me. So uh, yeah, he's not a he's not a challenger anymore. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I'm really pleased to hear that it was as well sold as it was well covered because a lot of brands have pieces that they release for news to grab headlines, to be on banners, to be a, a marketing behemoth, and. To hear that it was the best sold SKU this year is is really, really great. It shows, I think it shows the nature of your community, like you say, like the bear. You know, people like to have fun and connect with you and enjoy watches for what they are. And that's a really wonderful thing. I did hear, however, that licensing any of the Muppet imagery is extremely complex. And I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe you can shed some light on it. But I heard also that Every Muppet, every individual Muppet effectively has their own legal team, like managing what they're allowed to be on and how they're allowed to be presented. And is that true? Could you tell us some of the complexities of dealing with a company that massive and how hard it is to get a product to market? Yeah, it, indeed, it was 
it was quite a thing to get that done. Uh, Disney, they are a huge company, and we at Oris, we are um, a handful of people who try to make the best watches they can, and our head of marketing, Mark, who did uh, these negotiations and who worked uh, directly with Disney, he said, look, this is like this is like building a house, right? So you're glad you don't know um, how much energy it takes. Otherwise, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't want um, not to start it at all. And that was certainly a bit the case here, but it was also very yeah, satisfying to see how we grew together, how the team at Disney understood what we um, wanted uh, to do with Kermit and they were also very happy how the whole thing turned out. So it's it really is um, a success on all levels and I am very happy that we have Kermit in the family. Will we see more Muppets join that family in the future? Because I had a conversation in Maryland actually a couple of weeks ago with Josh Shanks, of course, and uh, the rest of the reps from all of the brands showing at Little Treasury Jewelers. Shout out to Steve Hamalian and Linda, his wife that run that store. And we were all saying who our favorite Muppets were, and Fozzie Bear got a lot of nods. My personal favorite is Gonzo. I think a lot of people loved Animal. Will we see the whole crew join Oris? And if so, will they all be pro pilot models or will there be something else? Have you thought about this yet? I'm sure you have. Uh, yes, of course, we have thought about that. And, um, well, I can't tell you too much. Uh, otherwise, I would give away secrets and a surprise. I think that would be a pity. It may be that Kermit um, gets company. Maybe Kermit has to be on his own for a little bit longer. Uh, yes, the future will tell. And... Uh, if it happens, I hope it will be a pleasant surprise. Can't wait. Rob, especially for you, there'll be a pink da with Miss Piggy on it. Now going to more serious stuff and very important stuff. You guys still use the hashtag and slogan, go your own way, which I always love. But the one that you use as well, which I love even more, is change for the better. I salute you guys for taking on the topic of sustainability very early on and going very deep and making it 360 holistic because you guys do a lot of localized cool events with both Oris fans, press, and also people that don't have an Oris yet. For example, what do I refer to is the beach cleanups, for example. I know you did them in the Netherlands by the North Sea, cleaning up beaches. Um, I believe you guys cleaned up in the east coast of the U.S. on the Hudson River, I believe. Please tell us a bit more about the journey you guys took. When did it start? Why did you do it? And what do you guys do regarding sustainability at ORS, please? Yeah, uh, sustainability is a big topic these days. It also has arrived now in the luxury industry and I think our industry is quite important in that whole game because our customers are the ones that can make a difference, right? Our customers, they can make choices. People who can spend um, several thousand Swiss francs or euros or dollars on a mechanical watch, they, they can make an impact. And that's why we have the privilege that uh, to work with our customer base can actually make a difference. And I think another thing is in our industry, uh, it's not easy for everyone to find the right tone, the right message. If your um, ethos was uh, parted till the bitter end, then now you need to um, uh, save the planet. That's, uh, yeah, that's not easy to bring together, right? At Oris, we are independent. And we always had to look after our own means to use them wisely. That is actually the definition of sustainability. And it's also a reason why I like the watch industry because we make products that are here to stay. And I always like that. It's 
the opposite of this um, throwaway culture that, that we live in and that I think is one of the key things that we need to overcome in order to find into a more sustainable lifestyle. And to overcome it can also be fun, right? It's nice to um, be surrounded by um, well-made, nice things that you look after and don't just use and trash. And with this ethos, we approach the topic of sustainability. I am very happy, and this is actually one of the things that makes me most proud here at Oris, that in the industry where people basically want to sip, sip champagne and hang out in posh places, now these days they join us to clean up beaches. They come with us to change for the better, as you said before, Alan. To see that and to see this engagement and to see this willingness to make a difference in our community, that's really, I find that very humbling and it makes me very proud and it shows that we are on the right way. Talking of well-made nice things, you have a lot of well-made nice things in your current catalogue. How many SKUs do you currently have in the Oris collection? Oh, well, if you um, counted with different um, strap variations, maybe 230, 250, something like that. Do you have a personal favorite amongst those 230 or 250 pieces? Um, if you had to choose from your children, right, it's very difficult. At the moment, I wear the ProPilot X laser that we just launched in Dubai. A few weeks ago, I really loved this watch um, as it is so unique and as it has a dial that is just created by lights. There is not a single drop of color on this watch, yet it is a very colorful watch. And this we achieve by treating the titanium dial uh, with a laser technique that swallows the red waves of light and just throws uh, the remainder of light at you. And um, yeah, it cheers me up when I look at that watch, gives me a smile, and that's what we want to do with our watches. So at the moment, yes, that's the watch I do like most. I think there's a lot of watches in your collection that put a smile on people's faces. The recent Collective Horology Special Edition, the beautiful orange-toned, sunset-inspired Diver 65, right? It's a 65, isn't it? It's just, it's got the old numerals on it which i actually prefer you are well known as a company for your collaborations you have done many with media titles and retailers and what is it that you think is the value of collaboration for oris i mean you know there's a conversation in the industry now about collaboration fatigue or limited edition fatigue but you've done it so often it's almost become part of your brand identity was that a deliberate move i mean you've kind of carved out the market for yourselves there we like to tell these stories through um, collaborations, through limited edition models. Um, if you take the watch that you just mentioned, when you look at it, there is so many things that come to your mind, right? You see the 1970s, you see, uh, you see these um, um, movies of the time, you see clothing of the time. Um, it's just a cultural experience to look uh, to look at this watch and watchmaking. At the end, is a form of culture, I believe, and uh, you take reference from many aspects of uh, cultural life. And with collaborations, you can do exactly that. The same for environmental causes. You can uh, talk very well about topics that are important to you you can uh, you can tell a story you can um raise uh, interest for or awareness for things that are important to you are important to the environment and again here we have a privilege that that we can do that and find the audience to talk to and 
I do like that, and I always enjoy working on these collaborations to dive into a topic, talk to these people, understand their world, then bring it together with the Oris world and make a nice watch out of it. I think it's really rewarding, and normally the results are are good and and well received. So I think it's a good thing. I just realized next year, in twelve months from now. You guys exist 120 years. And in Judaism, it's a very big saying that if somebody has a birthday, we see, may you live up until 120. We have a tradition that uh, a lot of uh, guests drop a scoop on this podcast. Rolf, don't feel the pressure, but do you want to share something about next year with us? Oh, well, uh, I, <laughs> I do hope that we live beyond these 120 years. And actually, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, it is an anniversary. Um, we don't belong to the companies that um, select every uh, celebrate every um, two years of their existence. Uh, certainly, it is a moment. One hundred and twenty. Um, yes, it won't be the key topic of next year for us. We have other things that we want to talk about, but obviously. Having been around for such a long time is uh, is a legacy and um, makes us want to drive things further. I am sitting here in Hülstein in at the very place where it all began, and yeah, this this makes you this makes you humble and and proud, right? And you want to continue that story, write it on. Um, pass on the legacy that's, that we have inherited and uh, treated with respect and also um, have fun uh, while doing it. I think that describes very well what we do here. So yes, the 120 years um, of Oris in existence will be important, but it, uh, it won't be the only thing we'll be talking about next year. I'm sorry I did put you on the spot. So let me... <laughs> Try to do a guessing game because a decade ago, for your 110th anniversary, you launched something with a big splash because it was your first manufacturer caliber, the 110 caliber to celebrate that anniversary. 10 days power reserve took you six years, but then you came with the big bang. I believe that the caliber 400 with the five days power reserve was launched three years ago. Can we please talk about that strategy? So why did you make a manufacturer? Today we have two calibers. Will we see a third caliber next year? Well, first of all, Oris has made almost 280 calibers until um, the watch crisis. So we have always made our own movements. And um, it was an important part of uh, what we did. And then we brought back Caliber 110, 2014, which first we thought is a bit of a birthday gift um, to us, but then it was received very well. People really liked the watch, and to this day, it's um, a beautiful movement. Now with Caliber 115 coming from um, this Caliber family of, uh, you mentioned it, Rob, 10 days, power reserve, nonlinear power reserve indication, 115 in the skeleton version, Pro-Pal-X. It's really for really beautiful watchmaking. Um, then the automatic own caliber, um, caliber 400 that we um, launched just uh, before or in the pandemic uh, with the two barrels, five days power reserve, 10 years of warranty, 10 years of service intervals, making own calibers actually lets us make the watches we as watch enthusiasts really want to see, right? We want ourselves, we want to have a long power reserve because you want to uh, wear multiple watches through the week. Um, giving watches to service central obviously is a hassle, so give it um, long service intervals, give it long um, warranty with it, and uh, make it anti-magnetic. So, yeah, that's these are the watches we want, right? That's That's why we make them. And we didn't it's not just Caliber 400. A few months after we launched Caliber 400, uh, we presented Caliber 401 um, with the Caliber Shear 
uh, limitation number three at at the time. Then the same summer in June for the Hillside edition, we brought Caliber 403 with pointer date, um, small second. And then this January, we brought Caliber 473, a personal favorite of mine, hand winding, um, power reserve indication on the case back, small second, pointer date. Basically, the layouts we use since the 1930s now with um, what we are able to do today with uh, the specs of Caliber 400. So Caliber 400 also closes a bit of a circle for us back uh, to these old days when we made a lot of in-house movements. Um, yeah, and it's nice to see um, the feedback towards it. And even though in-house movements make for a watch that's quite a bit more expensive than when we work with source movements, they are um, well-received and we are happy to offer um, very good uh, value with our watches with source movements and then um, something a little more interesting, technically a little more challenging with Caliber 110 or Caliber 400 Plus. So you talk very knowledgeably about the past, 120 years of history and all those great watches that have gone before. Is there any watch from that back catalogue that no longer exists that you would personally like to bring back to the collection? And if so, why? Um, yeah, it's really, it is a joy to go through the Oris catalogue, go through the Oris Museum and look at these pieces and travel, actually travel back to these times. You know, when you have these watches in your hands, you get a feeling for what people thought when they um, made them, when they um, put them together. And there are a number of pieces that we brought back. One of my uh, favorite watches um, that I also have in its original is the Full Steel um, World Timer, right? With our own World Timer complication that we brought back as a Hulstan edition last year. This is one of my favorites. Then we just talked about Calibre 473, which brings back manual winds, pointer date, small second, the layouts of the 1930 um, pointer date. We brought back Cronoris and um, a whole family, Diver 65. We still have Big Crown as a collection, uh, as an important collection, um, with us, uh, basically having been making these pointer dates, uh, yeah, since uh, the 1930s. So yes, we do look back and we like to, uh, work with our past, but I think it's also very important to look ahead and create new things because these icons that we enjoy so much today, at some points, they were they were novelties, right? They didn't have they didn't have a heritage, they didn't have a past. They were new people, maybe didn't understand. Um, if you look at the key icons in um, the watch world today, many of them at the beginning uh, they didn't really sell for years, right? Until people came. Um, to like it, and I think um, talking about these vintage watches, sometimes we forget that it is so important to drive things forward and and to understand what is um, going to be in a, a few years. It's very easy just to rely on your past, but uh, yeah, to bring things like ProPilot X that. Um, have new designs, have roots in the past, but basically are a future-driven watch with things that haven't been done before. I think that's what will make the difference also for these generations that come after us. We recently in our TRTS network, we have a community of hardcore 
collectors and listeners, the Real Time Show community. We had a uh, big philosophical discussion about the evolution of bought-in calibers versus manufacturing in-house calibers. So I assume ORS will continue the journey of developing more and more calibers. So thank you for explaining the journey. Would ORS ever sell their calibers to other watch brands? We have been asked, actually, if we would. So far, we have not. But it is not impossible that we will um, never do that. Uh, so that may well be at the moment we have decided to not yet um, uh, do that also because when you sell um, your in-house calibers, uh, you have to um, develop the processes with it, the um, after-sales, bare part, um, supply processes with it. And at the moment, we focus on using our own calibers and the calibers that we can make uh, in our own collections. So um, it's not that we don't want to do it or will never do it, but it's not yet the right moment. Thank you for that honest and open answer. And that shows why you're a great CEO, because a lot of brands and CEOs would give a PC answer, a politically correct answer. Now, one of the collections that I always loved is the Atelier collection and the jazz collections. What is the future for both of these collections, dear Rolf? Yeah, also like uh, Atelier. Last few years, they were really dominated by sports watches, by bracelet watches uh, that was um, the pace of the consumer um, Artelier had to step back a little bit in, in that context but it's still around I still love to wear my Calibre 113 with the pointer um, week calendar so yeah yeah Artelier is is around, and you will see more of Artelier. You you may also see. Um, I'm not a jazz artist. Um, um, in due time, this is a line that I always take a lot of joy working on, um, and that also has a long history in Oris. Uh, so thank you for mentioning Artelier, and I think we all have a feeling that things. Get slowly get a little more classic again, and um, people develop an interest um, again in um, more dressy, more traditional pieces. And yeah, let's see, let's see where that leads us. Tell me about the Aquist Four Thousand because this is one of the standout pieces from Geneva Watch Days that I had in my hands. It's an absolute beast. I. I joked with Sonia at the time, you know you've done something notable when your watch is thicker than some watches are wide. <laughs> and obviously, it, that's a bit of an exaggeration, of course, it's supposed to be, because um, most watches that are narrower than that watch is thick are ladies' watches. And this is very much, I would say, not a watch designed for ladies. But who is it designed for? Do you expect it will be used as a professional instrument? Or is it one of those pieces that you decided to create because it was a challenge and you wanted to see if you could do it to throw down a market to other brands that are making similarly resistant watches at much higher price points? Or, or what is it? Is it going to be a mainstay of a collection or is it going to be something that you release and then quietly discontinue in the future? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was very successful piece over the last few months, you know, and, and jumping from Artelier to the Aquis Pro 4000. Um, yeah, that's uh, quite a thing, but I think it shows what uh, people were looking for over the last few years. We just want to do that watch, right? We just want to do um, a very deep watch, the deepest watch Oris has ever made. Um, we have the privilege to do the things that... Uh, we are interested in um, ourselves, and that was um, one of these things. And personally, I thought it's a really nice object. 
but um, when you have to put some money on the table for that kind of watch, you may think again because it is thick, it is big. Maybe you're like, mm, I'm not sure how often I'm going to wear that, but people really seem to like it. I, I think it takes a lot of energy from its baby blue color combined with those um, great technical um, specs. We didn't have enough. Kermit and Aquis Pro 4000 were the watches that were most out of stock this year. Really excited to see how it was received. I wore it myself this uh, late summer. I wore it in the sea, wore it underwater, and it's a great water sports watch and fun fun watch uh, to wear at the beach. I think what it also is, it is a beautiful object, even though it's big, the proportions are very good. That sapphire crystal that stands that towers on, 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 on top of that watch, uh, just is uh, beautiful. So, yeah, we had two pieces that we didn't really know how well they would do this year. Maybe we're a little cautious in, or not um, aggressive enough in, in, in planning for them with the result that uh, we were out of stock for quite some time. But, uh, so yeah, excited to see how well they both were received. Going from being so long at Ores, 17 years, you've been CEO for eight. What's next? Do you think Ores would introduce another brand as a group? Would you buy a heritage brand? Is this something you guys are thinking about? Well, I think we have a beautiful brand here that still has a lot of potential. I think... We are very fortunate, the management now today is very fortunate to have a brand and a base that um, the people before us invested so much to give it um, a lot of substance. And I really see us driving that ahead. I do believe that there's so much potential in the Oris brand. There's so much to tell there's uh, so much to do so um this is what we will be focusing on to just continuing to uh, make the best mechanical watch we can under um the brand of oris and i believe this will bring us a long way looking from the future back to the past what would you recommend youngsters entering the watch business today what advice would you give them don't be afraid and like in any industry work hard i think that's it and people who start in the watch industry many of them they're watch enthusiasts and they have the privilege to work in an industry um to make products that others enjoy in their free time, right? And they can they can do it and and um, get paid for it. Um, sometimes there are people who think, ah, oh, it's fantastic, that's a glorious life. You know, you have all these um, events, luxurious. Uh, At the end, it's, it's very hard work and um, you will have to work hard, you will have to travel a lot, but you will also learn a lot. And most of all, you will meet very nice people and very interesting people. And I would encourage anyone to um, seek a career in the watch industry because it's so enriching, so fulfilling. And um, even though you have to really work hard, you are um, all over all over the place, all over the globe. It's truly uplifting um, experience to be in the industry and I couldn't be more thankful that I had the chance um, to get into it and I, I'm still very happy that I do what I do. So how did you move from Coca-Cola, if I'm correct, was your previous employment, 
into Oris? Were you a watch fan before? Did you seek Oris out? Did they seek you out? I mean, how did you end up on this incredible trajectory that has seen you as co-CEO now for eight years? Uh, I always liked nice things. I liked well-made things that are here to stay. My grandfather, he had a boat yard on the Lake of Lucerne, and I spent my summers there watching him and his team to make these wooden boats and to repair them, to apply these multiple layers of lacquer and create something that is meant to endure and and uh, is expensive, but is here to last. And that's my main driver also in, in the watch industry. And I was at Coke for many years and then um, applied at Oris um, at the time for um, a position in regional management. And I got it 17 years ago and um, here I am. So yeah, here you are. And right now you're sitting in Holstein in front of a mic talking to us, which is very much appreciated because you're a busy, busy guy and you travel all over the world, as you alluded to before. But could you give our listeners a real gritty insight into what it's like being the CEO of a company? What kind of demands are placed on your time, your personal life, how often you're away from home? How does it get you down being in and out of hotels, living out of suitcases? I mean, you've been doing it for a long time, so I guess you're pretty adept at whatever that lifestyle is. But if you don't mind, give us a real candid insight into what it's like. I take a lot of energy from working for Oris, and I think a lot of people who work for Oris do because I don't have to bend, right? I can go out there and tell the story of Oris, um, talk about the values that are my own values and be an advocate of that kind of Swissness that I appreciate about um, our country. There are other things that I like less, but I can go out there and and, and talk about um, these nice things. So on a personal level, uh, it's really, it's, it's such a privilege, so, so enriching to do that. Yes, you are away from home um, a lot and uh, have family, two kids. You need, you need to have a family that supports that. The pandemic was the absolute opposite, right? You were home with your wife and kids, and I enjoyed that time very much. It was was great to have a bit more of um, family time um, in this Corona period. Now we are we are back at traveling again, and uh, on a personal level, I I try try to find a balance. I sometimes um, try to uh, take them with me to make them understand uh, what I do, to make them experience what I do, maybe to also um, take advantage of some of the things um, I can do. And I think, like with every career, right, you have to find that um, um, balance and uh, make sure everyone is happy, including yourself. And uh, then you can uh, be the best version of your of yourself, which, of course, uh, I always try. So your kids know what you do, and you've exposed them to Oris, I guess, from a young age. Is there any likelihood that they'll follow in your footsteps and join the company one day? <laughs> I'm not sure, and uh, they're still at school, so they should finish school, get their education, and do their own thing, and then they can still see if they are interested to, uh, to work at Oris. It is certainly not anything that I would push at all, but I do think that they see that I identify a lot with what I do and that this can be the key to fulfilled work life, right? And I am sure that they or hope that they uh, take inspiration from that, uh, whatever they do. So I want to ask a question that is quite similar to one Alon's already asked, but specifically Oris-focused. So if you've got a young watchmaker who's just finished their studies, or maybe somebody that 
is training in sales or marketing and they've identified Oris as the company that they want to work for, the number one target on their list, what would you suggest to them specifically to do if they want to come and join your team? Well, we indeed do have such people and um, some of them got hired. Our now head of um, China, Taiwan and Hong Kong uh, we met in an after-ski bar in Zermatt. I then, uh, he was still a student at the time, he wore an Norris watch, and I spoke to him uh, because I wanted to know was a rate chronograph, so rather classic watch, classic chronograph, motorsport-themed, um, all-timer chronograph, why a young guy like him liked that watch, and we started to talk at some point after midnight. Yeah, with... Um, him ending up at Oris and uh, now having a very important role in the company. If you do have that motivation and if you do let us know, chances are high that uh, we will listen and we certainly um, will talk to you. And who knows, maybe at, at some point you will be here in Hölstein pushing things to the next level together with us. So what you're saying is the key is find you in a bar, play you with alcohol, hang out with you until at least gone midnight, and then make sure you're wearing your Oris at the same time and jobs are good. In. More or less, yeah. <laughs> Great career advice. You heard, heard it here yeah. first, guys. <laughs> That's how you do it. You can it. also just write an email, you know, but uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay, our okay. part certainly adds a certain... Um, personal level to it right from the start. Be warned though, because uh, we shared some beers with Rolf and he can stand his own. So uh, be warned. Now, going from uh, fun talks to another big trend in watchmaking is certified pre owned. Did you guys at Oris consider or are still considering to incorporate pre owned services on your website and or your own boutiques? Yes. Um, even before that trend started, we did have pre-owned or vintage models for sale um, in our boutique in, in Basel. We had a whole floor dedicated um, to that with the intention to make people aware of what we had been doing in um, the past years and to own um, a part of Oris history, and um, we have seen that people, when they they like to look at these vintage watches of us, if they save money, they um, prefer to buy a new contemporary Oris. Um, so while for some brands that may be an interesting thing to do, we have found that uh, people prefer to have our um, new watches. So while we, in some boutiques, offer vintage pieces, it's not something that um, we have seen a huge demand for now in our case. What I forgot to ask you, Rolf, about the manufacturer calibers. I believe you're one of the few brands that offers 10 years warranty on their own calibers. Yes. What's the philosophy behind that and how does that play out because you'll have wear and tear in that decade time so how do you go about servicing these watches and what does this warranty encompass for the collectors of ours thank you for asking that question i think it's a really important point and it's one of these things that we did because we want to um offer added value we have seen warranty Periods getting longer over the past two years. I think often that was driven uh, just by marketing or experience. We can give two years more warranty and the watch um, is able to uh, live up to that. With Caliber 400, we um, built that movement um, to run for 10 years uninterrupted. We talked about uh, oil before. Um, there are um, larger than normal stones that 
that can hold the oil for 10 years. The parts are extra precise. Uh, so um, we have as little debris as possible. There is low torque. The movement is constructed to have low torque, so you have little abrasion. So it really is made for um, 10 years of running without a service. And obviously, before um, we launched the movement uh, with these qualities, uh, we, I was a little nervous because you only know after 10 years, right? But um, we tested it. Um, how, do you, how do you test that? It's very easy. You just make it run faster, right? You take a, you take a drill and just let it run. And uh, we simulated the movement uh, to up of 90 years of running. And uh, it passed that, um, these tests. So it should be okay with 10 years. So it's really a technical warranty, but it's not included our gaskets and um, things like that. You will have to change them after a few years, but we guarantee that the watch will run um, for 10 years. And if there are faults that um, hinder it from running that long, we will um, always uh, look after it for you. At no cost, obviously, we will look after that also after 10 years, but first 10 years of no cost for the owner of that watch. That's pretty remarkable stuff, considering that's a 28,800 VPH caliber, which obviously adheres to your desire to make it a sports watch and, you know, ultra precise for everyday wear. But that's incredible because a lot of brands, if they were looking at reducing wear and tear, might have been tempted to drop down that operating frequency to... 21.6 or 18 even i mean 18 is a bit archaic but a lot of brands still use 21.6 for extensions of power reserve but you've got 120 hour power reserve on caliber 400 and a 28.8 operating frequency and 10 years that's that's really well done thank you there you go that's how we're going to wrap up the show give the flowers where they're due is all i'll say if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to ask any questions for rolf then please get in touch with us via the usual channels you can find us on Instagram at therealtime.show or via our usual personal accounts at Rob Nuds, R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S, or at Alon Ben Joseph, A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. You can also contact us via email, either Rob or Alon at therealtime.show, or via the contact form on the website, www.therealtime.show. Please like, follow, subscribe, and if you have time, review the podcast. We'll be back next week with more top quality watch content. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking. 